Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. A fine Saturday morning to you. Good morning, Mr. Nelson. How are you? Perky wide awake on this <laughs> fine morning. On this <laughs> fine morning whenever Pete gets this posted. Yes. Exactly. Right. <laughs> He's not here. We get to do these things. It's the fun. I know. <laughs> and right now we're re-ranking 2001, <laughs> baby. <laughs> no, no, but we're not. 
No, uh, we can't do that. No. no. I really want to. So are you uh, still recovering from your Oscar night shenanigans? Wow. Yeah. What a what a crazy night that was. That was, uh, you know, it was wonderful watching uh, so many great things happen Oscar night. I just kept going, oh, wow. That one. I mean, a lot of it was expected. Like, you know, Brad Pitt, Renee Zellweger, Joaquin Phoenix, Laura Dern, those four pretty much had it in the bag. Like, they walked in, everyone knew they were the ones getting the Oscars for for their performances. So that really wasn't a surprise. Um, and everybody knew Parasite was going to win for uh, Best International Feature. But the surprises really came with the uh, the additional awards for Parasite with uh, Best Director, uh, Best Original Screenplay. I, I don't know if that's a huge surprise, but uh, certainly Best Picture. That was the big kicker. Yes, the Oscar party that I was at, we we you know, we had our ballots. So I did my research. I went to Awards Daily and looked at their big board of of predictions and looked at just the trends. And so I I went with, you know, based on what they saw as the majority, you know, of all their sources. They, so I went with that. And throughout the night, everybody was like, "Well," <laughs> after I think about the first five or six awards, when I was like straight, you know, six for six. They're like, well, what did you put for this? What did you put for this? And so I I only missed three. There were only three that I missed. And early on, it was, um, what was it? It was like one of the, the sound effects things, sound mixing or something. I got one of those wrong. And then everything else was great. And then the final two, everybody thought was going to be 1917 for best picture and best, best director. So I was ecstatic to see Parasite you know, win those, but yeah, it threw my Oscar ballot for a loop right there at the, uh, at the end. But it was definitely, I think everyone was happy with those results. And it seems like, um, now there's maybe not everybody, I guess (laughs) there's a whole contingent of people on the internet who have certainly voiced their displeasure. Well, you call them people. I wouldn't call them people. Uh, Um, (laughs) but there, there seemed to be, uh, did you, was it you that had posted in discord or someone posted that one of his earlier films is now getting a theatrical re-release? What is that? Memories of murder? Memories of murder. Yeah. Yeah. Neon picked it, picked it up and is, re-releasing it uh, in theaters and then uh, that and Parasite are both getting the Criterion treatment which is very exciting Yay! This is one of the things that completely baffles me of what determines what gets uh, you know, selected for the Criterion Collection. I know they have statements about of like lasting importance and artistic merit or something like that. But to me, it doesn't explain why there's some things that just haven't made it there yet. So I'm I'm thrilled to see that he's finally getting some some films in there. So that's yeah, it's it's created some momentum. I even saw on Twitter some people had uh, posts of oh, if you enjoyed Parasite and are interested in in South Korean cinema, here are some other films to uh, to go check out. So I think it's. Maybe broadening people's horizons a little bit, uh, which is always a good thing. Yeah, it definitely is. And I mean, I know Criterion has, um, they have deals with certain certain companies like Neon, yes. which is why it's getting those two films. Netflix, which is why Roma's been picked up already. The Irishman, um, what were the other ones? American Factory and um, what was the other Netflix uh, movie this year that I'm forgetting. Marriage Story? I can't remember. Ma- uh, Marriage Story, yes. Those are all getting uh, going to be Criterion releases. So, um, I mean, it's it's great that more people are seeing 
all of these films. It's a great opportunity to get them out there. Um, and yeah, like you said, it's great that just the fact that this South Korean film has kind of like uh, taken everything by storm. I mean, I, my dad watched it. I got him to oh, watch wow. it. He's just like, oh my God, I love this movie. <laughs> That's great. You know, he totally, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. And so I I think that, uh, and I'm now pushing him, hey, well, check out, uh, check out some of these other movies that, that Bong Joon-ho did. Yeah. So I don't know if he will, but it's just, you know, it's, it's the whole idea that, uh, you know, I'm hoping it'll help more people start looking at uh, some of these other uh, countries as sources for great stories to, to uh, view in film. Yes. And if 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 the reputation of the Criterion Collection is a little intimidating, you can always ease your way into the Criterion Collection with, you know, something that's a little bit more accessible, like 1998's Armageddon, which <laughs> I just does not. Is that still in Criterion? It, yeah, it, well, it's the Criterion Collection. Yes, it's it's. You can. It, it's, no, I mean, it's out of print. I, I, yes, the DVD. You know, well, some of the older say, ones. I mean, you have to get the laser disc for it to, to if you want to watch it. Well, I don't think it, it uh, I mean, has ever got a DVD release. Did yes, it, it did. Uh, no DVD. Uh, it's currently unavailable. So some of these, they just I do they a limited run on them or something. But uh, it just depends on the deal with the distribu- yes, or with the yes. original. The original production right. company. And this was one of those ones so. that oh, I always thought, well, there's no Spielberg in the Criterion collection, but yeah, we'll put Ar- Armageddon in there. Well, I'm sure, you know, Spielberg being the head of his own studio. Right. Well, yes. I, I think that it, you know, he probably is not uh, actively looking for other opportunities to get his stuff distributed because, you know. That's true. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense but well yeah michael bay because i know the rock and armageddon uh, were both in it and uh you know people quite enjoyed having those in there for a while and i mean i actually had the rock uh, criterion laser disc oh wow point, okay but, uh, yeah i know it's good stuff it's good stuff you know but that's what i always loved about the criterion collection is that it was a celebration of film it wasn't just a celebration of art films or uh foreign films it was a celebration of films of all types and uh, I, I feel like they have definitely had to take a shift a little bit the way that the market has has moved with streaming services and everything. I, I feel like they might be a little more focused on kind of the the smaller films, the art films, the foreign films now, the the or the the films that don't get the bigger releases. I mean, that's what they really are having to go after nowadays, just because the way the market's shifted. But they still have stuff in there that I'm always like, oh wow, that's a it's a great thing to see pop up in, in there in the criteria oh, collection. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, uh, the Oscars were exciting, but uh, you know, in the the in memoriam section, oh. which I mean, just as the controversy there is always like who got left yes. out, which of course you know it's one of those things. I mean, it could go on for you know uh, twenty <laughs> minutes if we wanted it to, but uh, inevitably people are upset about certain people. But one person who got left off was just because he happened to. Uh, die in a horribly unfortunate way uh, just the day before the Oscars. And that was Orson Bean, which was sad to hear. Uh, yeah, that was one where I, my wife said, Orson Bean died. And I thought, what? What? And I thought, well, he's really old. And she said, no, he was hit by a car. And I thought, no, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Just horrible. Just yes, exactly. And it was, uh, yeah, the, the, there was something else that it, it was like a, it was like multiple car accidents or something like that because um, he was hit right, by like one he, and then there was another accident and it caused another collision and just, oh, just horrible tragedy. It sounded really terrible. It really did. 
Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was sad. I mean, he'd been in, uh, certainly kept himself very busy, lots of different projects of all kinds. And I didn't realize how politically, uh, active he had become, <laughs> you know, later in his life. Uh, but, uh, I mean, he'd always, I should say, always had been pretty politically active. I guess it's just that later in his life, he became a much more, um, conservative in mm. his political opinions. Oh, okay. And, uh, I think his daughter married Breitbart. Oh, okay. Actually. So, uh, you know, that's kind of, I think, and then he actually wrote columns for Breitbart. So it's like, oh, wow, I never knew that about him, but there you go. Speaking of old things, that's a horrible segue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I know often we have talked about, um, the lure of fathom events and then often the ridiculously prohibitive cost of purchasing a ticket for a movie that, well, you've seen it before, maybe not on the big screen and, oh, to have a little 10 minute segment afterwards, is it really worth whatever, $20 or $30 or just how ridiculous some of these get? But, um, we do have a unique opportunity coming up this March. And what caught my eye about this was this is a film that has not been on screens in theaters in 64 years. And so this is the original 1933 King Kong, which last had a theatrical uh, re-release in 1956, which, according to the movie web website, reminds people that's when Dwight D. Eisenhower was president and the average movie ticket cost 59 cents. Wow. So there is now an opportunity <laughs> now an opportunity for the low low cost of what is it? Just it's <laughs> of th- that, this is thirteen dollars. I, I like yeah. I'm shocked because Fathom Events used to be like if we wanted to go see something, it was like twenty five dollars a ticket or something yes. crazy. Um, I think that they must have, and it could be based on area and time, but looking through the showtimes that they have just in my area, the prices, this is what I find really interesting about what Fathom Events is doing, is they must have some algorithm that they're using now to determine prices based on date and time, because for the most part, tickets for adults and children are about thirteen fifty eight, um, depending on which time that I go to. Uh, but if I if I go at a different day and time, it might be thirteen sixty five. <laughs> or if I pick exactly the right day and time, the adult is eleven thirty nine, the child is eight dollars and thirteen cents, and the senior is nine dollars and seventy six. Oh, okay, so not too bad at all. Not not too bad, but I'm like so curious because it's such strange pricing. I'm like, what is going on <laughs> with Fathom Events that they have this strange juggle? Because this is something I took my daughter to see weathering with you the the anime film um it came out it it was a fathom events like a week before it had a limited theatrical run here in the states and so i i took her to it and i was trying to find uh tickets for the right time and i ended up paying like 14 dollars for the both of us i'm like how did i spend so little on a fathom <laughs> events movie what did i do wrong nothing so nothing. don't ask that yeah, question <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly but it's exciting because i'm like i feel like they're starting to pay attention to the fact that uh, it was getting a little crazy with some of the pricing because yeah, King Kong. Like I can, I can uh, take uh, my wife and the two kids uh, if I can convince all, them all to go. I I know my wife hates it because it's uh, you know killing an animal at the end of the movie, but <laughs> but still, <laughs> it's like you know you know I don't know twenty five bucks for yeah. the four of us or something like that. 
when you add it all up. So it's great. I, I really uh, love that they're actually kind of fixing that. And what an opportunity to see King Kong in the big screen again. Well, and perhaps it has to do with the fact that what I think, as I recall, some of these other Fathom events that were a little bit more pricey, there was usually some additional bonus feature to it. Uh, like, uh, I think uh, it's either like a interview or, you know, exclusive stuff with the director or commentary, like a, maybe a little 15 or 20 minute segment piece, which I think initially was to draw people in because they thought, well, I've seen this before. Oh, but now you can see it on the big screen. Plus, here's this add on bonus to that. And what I'm seeing here with King Kong, I see they're doing a lot of these in there what they call the big screen classics is it's just the film it's not as i'd seen in your past of like where it's turner classic movies and they would have somebody they're talking about the movie giving some of that uh, additional bonus content it looks like they're just showing the movie so maybe that's part of the reason that the prices come down because it is just the original film and not any bonus features added on to that yeah i mean i i saw psycho with with um through them on the big screen a couple years ago and it was still it wasn't as expensive you're right when when they do have like the interviews or it's a special edition of the film um but still it wasn't eleven dollars and 39 cents so there's something that has shifted um and so no matter how you slice it it's it's exciting you know that uh, they're starting to kind of I think get uh, get um, hopefully get more people into the theaters to see some of these movies. I mean, really, that's the end goal. Let's get more people watching this. Stuff. Oh yeah, and there's a lot of these that yeah, it, you, because they're so old, you've just never had the opportunity to see them on the big screen. I'm looking at what they've got coming up, and sure, there's there's things that I've seen that you know I recall seeing on the big screen like Apollo 13, A League of Their Own. Uh, but then there's other things like the Blues Brothers or. Um, well, Close Encounters, I did see uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, you know, another one that, you know, I, I don't know that One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is one that I need to see on the big screen, but I think the Blues Brothers, some of those car chases on the big screen might add a little something to it that I don't get uh, on my TV. And I just saw Close Encounters of the Third Kind, was that, it was the 40th anniversary of that. So that was what, uh, 2017, I think. So they're bringing it back again um, as part of the big screen classics. And that's one that that's really tempting because that's just one of my favorite Spielbergs. And it is such a just that whole end sequence there to see that on the big screen just is so much more thrilling than on a TV. So I just may have to drop $13.58 to go see that on the big screen. And then I think now you're that, talking. that may, let's see, because I that was one that I recall when it first came out, I saw in the theaters the original release, and then they had the special special edition version. And I saw that in the theater because uh, I just told my dad, I, I, you know, I saw like, um, you know, TV, like, oh, we, we got to go see this, this version. And so then having seen it again, that's probably the, the movie I've seen in the theaters the most because it's three times. And if I go again, that would be four. That's quite a few times to see something in the theater, unless you're one of those, you know, I guess just compulsive people that like, I remember when Star Wars came out, there was some guy that saw it like whatever, a hundred times or whatever in the theater. But I guess, you know, at, at two bucks a pop versus $13, you know, I guess even adjusted for inflation. Um, but yeah, there's it's a great opportunity. And 
as uh, there is a much younger generation that has never had the opportunity to see many of these films in theaters, it's a, a great uh, chance for them to see them sort of, I think, the way the directors intended them to be seen. Well, and that's something that uh, I think will be something that our generation is going to have to, uh, you know, we're going to be the ones who have to kind of work at creating that the joy of that with the younger generation to get them to do it. Because I think now with streaming, with instant access to watch anything you want, pretty much, it's so hard to get people to kind of go out to the theater. And and sometimes, you know, with my uh, even my own kids, like if if I want to get them out to a Fathom Events film or something like that, they're like, well, why do we have to go see it there? Can't we just watch it at home? You know, it's it's such a mentality now. And so it's it is something that we really just need to kind of keep pushing and work at getting them to to understand that there's there's something really great about kind of that big screen experience. And it's even more challenging now that there's a much shorter turnaround time between theatrical release and home video release. I I remember it used to be like six months before you, you know, things came out in the summer and it was, well, you get them on DVD, like probably in November around time for Christmas or something. Whereas now it's, you know, things that were hitting theaters like uh, Knives Out, you know, that was Thanksgiving. And so we're, we are what, like two, three months you know, and it's not even, it's two and a half months and it's already available. You can, you know, buy it digitally and all that. So there's not even that I should see it in theaters now, because if I don't see it now, I'm going to have to wait a while to see it. And now it's, well, if I don't see it now, I can just wait a couple of weeks and I'll be able to, you know, rent it digitally. Uh, so it's, you know, less incentive to get out uh, to see it, particularly if, you know, it's something that's harder to find or, is, you know, it's only there for a couple of weekends. You're like, well, okay, I'll just wait. You know, things like the lighthouse, you know, it was around in a couple of theaters, maybe for a couple of weeks, I couldn't get out there. And I'm like, well, I'll just, you know, rent it uh, digitally. And it's like, no, I, that's one that I heard so many great things about the cinematography. I should have been more motive to get out there to see it on the, on the big screen, even though that one is, isn't that shot, um, not widescreen, isn't it? Like all squeeze. No, it's like a four by three. Exactly. But, oh, well. But I think it's also just the fact that, I mean, we're we're living in a time where the, the, the quantity of content has grown so exponentially because there are just so many more filmmakers out there. There's just so many more ways for stuff to get shown and distributed that it's just, I mean... It's it's hard. There's just, you know, I mean, back, you know, going back 50 years, there were, you know, some movie screens and uh, TV was uh, still kind of in its infancy. And, and that was it. And so the opportunities weren't nearly as big as they are now. And so now it's just like, yeah, I mean. Sure, you can go watch, uh, you know, you can watch it there, you can watch it at home, but there's also all these other things to do. And it's just, it's almost overwhelming now trying to uh, uh, figure it all out. And that's, I think, the challenge is is trying to find, well, what's the balance and how are you going to, you know, what are you going to prioritize? And yeah, I should have prioritized The Lighthouse too, because, um, you know, the films that are nominated, I think, for... Um, for cinematography generally are ones that I would really like to see on the big screen because that's you know, obviously kind of the way that um, it, it's meant to be seen because it's that the whole idea of how it's shot and everything. Right. Well, it's okay. Another 20 years, Jeff Bezos will have drones that fly around and just beam them into your brain. Oh, I want to rent this. Drone flies <laughs> over your house, shoots it into your brain, and you just watch it like that. The, 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 
The, we did the, have there the were a couple there the were a couple Batman, things yeah. that happened today. One was the what is it the test footage or camera test footage for the bat uh, that was posted on Vimeo uh, is where I you know, there was a link to it. But the Batman camera test and and of course you know any it's it's such the whole hype machine and marketing and all of that you know you're going to have people dissecting that and of course it's uh shot and it's very much in the red tone range so people like this looks like the looks like the daredevil i thought well because it's red okay let's get past that (laughs) if you were to see this in black and white (laughs) would you be thinking the same thing but there's you know how is this similar to nolan's batman and all of these things and i thought it's just just wait people just calm down but it's just a costume, it's just a costume. yes exactly it's like does this look good on the camera <laughs> yes it does great okay uh but it's it's it means it's the first of many that i'm sure we'll be getting you know trickles of of bits and pieces as uh, batman the as the batman is in production uh so we'll we'll see what what direction this goes uh but i you know I'm going to go see it one way or another. I mean, that's sort of the, you know, I've, I've resigned myself to the fact that there's enough talent behind this. I'm prob- Unless something catastrophic happens, I'm most likely going to go see this um, to see a different version of the Batman story and uh, see how this one plays out. Yeah, it's one of those things. I, I looked at the footage and I'm like, wow, it looks very beautiful. I mean, the, the lighting, the... Uh kind of just the way that they're composing the shots, the um, uh, just the costume itself, everything looked really, really cool. So I, I don't know. I, I was excited by it, but uh, it was nothing that for me, I'm, you know, I'm like, you know, it, it's, we're not going to really know much about it until more. So, uh, you know, I, I like where they're going with it and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it. You know, I think, I think Matt Reeves has done some, uh, some interesting stuff with the like the apes films cloverfield I, I you know he's a director who's i think has has kind of found a, a way to make a little bit of a mark so i'm, I'm curious to see what he's going to do with this one and, and uh, i know there's not a whole lot out there yet with it um although you know colin farrell's playing the penguin and there's a little <laughs> i don't know why that yeah i'm like i feel like the danny devito <laughs> Yes. Body type works well for the penguin. Not to sound terrible, but I just feel like that made more sense. Like I I thought that Danny DeVito actually was a really great penguin. I'm just curious. I mean, we've got the penguin, Catwoman, the Riddler, uh, Carmine Falcone um, is back. And so, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious. I'm curious to see where we're yeah. going to go with well, this. Yeah, that's the the piece that I guess from this, you know, test footage of trying to get a sense of what stylistic approach are you going to take? Whereas Tim Burton was still very much grounded in sort of the, I think, the comic books, you know, I mean, when you, you know, having, you know, the penguin, you know, just stature and, and all those things very much uh, out of the comic books versus what Nolan did, which was to bring it sort of more gritty real world. So where is Matt Reeves going to take this as far as that scale? Because I, I remember um, when Batman Begins came out, uh, somebody telling me, oh, yeah, remember how uh, just serious you know tim burton's batman seemed compared to the you know campy tv show but then when stolen's batman came out it was like you know the burton stuff seemed you know just as campy as the tv show so where is you know matt reeves gonna fall on that spectrum of 
embracing sort of the the comic book origins of this or is it going to be well we're we're continuing with this dc uh mentality of of going darker with this i you know I, i'm curious it's a, a talented cast um and i i have enjoyed what matt reeves has done you know cinematically i think he's he's always entertained me and i i like the stories he tells so i i'm just curious to see going back to the well one more time with batman what what do we do to keep this fresh what do we do to make it new while still honoring clearly the you know the main story that people want to hear yeah right yeah well it'll definitely um i think i'll I'll probably rate it higher than joel schumacher's versions so so there's that that's true all right well let's see uh should we do our trailers i guess we should or was there any other news? I think I that think was it for news. Yeah, that's so, probably uh, about all we need to talk about news, news-wise. I think so. Um, uh, you get to go first with your trailer because you, uh, you kind of, <laughs> even though it hadn't released, you technically posted. I, I, and it. I could have, I could have waited because it was going to be the A twenty four rule anyway. But I wanted to make sure I grabbed the A twenty four. So, yes, listeners, A twenty four posted on Facebook. Earlier this week, I think it was Wednesday, they posted, hey, this trailer is dropping tomorrow. So I took that and said, this will be my trailer. Sight unseen, I'm going to go with this trailer. And not just because it's A24. Um, it's David Lowry. It is Dev Patel, Alicia Vikander, Joel Edgerton, Sean Harris. Uh, this is The Green Knight coming this May 29th. And it is a fantasy retelling of the medieval story of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, which is a whole Arthurian legend. Um, I love adaptations of of classical literature, uh, particularly when there isn't an overt attempt to bring it into contemporary, to bring contemporary elements into it with like a knight's tale. Although that is entertaining and fun. I do love sort of going back to the original source material and, and you know, as far as I can tell here, uh, keeping it rooted in that era and tone. And this one has a very sinister, ominous quality to it. Um, and again, I hate to admit that just about every David Lowry film is on my I want to see but have not seen list. And there are so many of them that I have to at some point this spring or summer sit down and, and get through these because I hear nothing but great things about all of them. And I and everything says, yes, I should be watching this. And I just have not gotten around to watching any of his films. So I, I don't want The Green Knight to be the first one. But if it is, so be it. It looks like a great medieval adventure with some some mystery to it. Um, in terms of just, I guess, supernatural forces at work here. Uh, I, I don't know what, what did you, as, as someone who in discord, you said you weren't familiar with this story. What, what was your sort of impression of this, this trailer? Uh, it looked bonkers. I mean, it was like, what is going on here? I have no idea, but it looks fascinating. Like that's the thing that I took away from watching this trailer is like, this looks like, a a medieval story but with a fantastical bent that uh, just i don't know it really kind of i uh, found incredibly intriguing the way everything was put together the 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 production design the costumes the the characters everything about it just uh, really struck a chord with me and i was like i definitely have to watch this movie it just looks uh, over the top crazy and so um i have also have not seen much of uh 
of Lowry's work other than um, uh, Peace oh, Dragon, okay. which was a fantastic revisioning of a fairly mediocre slash subpar um, Disney live action slash animation film that certainly has its charm as a as a uh, film um but its story is you know it was done at the time when animation or stories with animation were viewed as um pretty much uh, you know just for kids and so it was that it worked for me as a kid but not so much now lowry's take on it was like everything that um that it needed to be to to make it really kind of modern and for everybody so but regardless this film does not look like that this film looks crazy and i can't wait to see it okay well uh, it's it's the first a24 trailer i've had in a while and so uh, i'm looking forward to some more summer releases from them but this one right there uh, what is that like right around memorial day that f- sort of i guess the beginning of summer may 29th uh 2020 well, I uh, picked another recent trailer that uh, that popped just the other day, and I was rather excited to see it come out because I, you know, I've been kind of jumping back into uh, Wes Anderson and looking at his his works some more. I um, uh, rewatched Grand Budapest Hotel, which I just love. I just revisited Bottle Rocket, and I'm going to kind of work through his filmography because, you know, I needed another <laughs> list of, of things to go through movie-wise. So um, uh, I'm working through those, uh, but in the process, I'm just finding that I there is such a charm with his storytelling, and it's not always perfect, but no matter how you slice it, he is creating a very deliberate world and a, a, like a very deliberate approach that he is doing in his storytelling that I find incredibly compelling. Grand Budapest, I think, is just, you know, at the top, it's just such a, a wonderful film. But I mean, Rushmore, Royal Tenenbaums, Isle of Dogs, uh, you know, I think Fantastic Mr. Fox, he's got some really fantastic stuff in there. And his new film, which uh, is going to be coming out uh, later, is called The French Dispatch. That is the film that uh, that trailer just dropped. And it uh, gives you a sense of it, but not really a sense of it because it, even the trailer <laughs> kind of gives you chapters uh, different different stories that will be kind of happening over the course of this particular film as you're following this ridiculous cast of people that he has assembled for this i mean just let me read through the cast list that uh, of people that are in it so far benicio del toro adrian brody tilda swinton leah sedu francis mcdormand timothy chalamet Lena Kudry, Jeffrey Wright, Matthew Almerique, uh, Stephen Park, Bill Murray, Owen Wilson, Leave Schreiber, Elizabeth Moss, Edward Norton, Willem Dafoe, Lois Smith, Saoirse Ronan, Christoph Waltz, Cecily de France, uh, Guillaume Gallien, Jason Schwartzman, Rupert Friend, Henry Winkler, Henry Winkler, Bob Balaban, Angelica Houston, and I mean that's just uh, it's still scary. I mean it's it's an incredible <laughs> it's an incredible list that uh, I think shows this is a storyteller who makes really creative stories spins unique uh tales and puts uh actors at ease in really exciting uh, a really exciting world that they have a lot of fun with they get to do some really unique things with it's not uh it's not just your run of the mill movie 
And this, I mean, just looking at this trailer, I'm like, I don't even know where to begin. It's a fictional newspaper that it looks like it has its various reporters kind of following various uh, stories. And that's kind of what I get out of it. And uh, but I just the look of it, the, the the uniqueness of everything going on here, the, you know, the different color palettes and everything. Uh, I'm excited. What did you think of this? Well, one? it's it's a Wes Anderson film. And as somebody who's who's sort of followed <laughs> him, you know, I think the first thing I saw was was Rushmore because it was just easier to find in the video store. But I'd heard about Bottle Rocket. And I think I ended up seeing Bottle Rocket on TV or like on cable, like on HBO or something. So I'd, I'd seen those. But then yeah, when you get to Royal Tenenbaums, it's sort of where he really finds his style. You can see it really starting there. And he's he's just really embraced this and it works well for him. And I think what really speaks well of him is the fact that you can get somebody like Bill Murray who will always be there. You know, um I think since Rushmore. I think, you know, it's it's, you know, I think nearly all the films you've got Bill Murray in, in quite a bit of them. And, you know, actors like Willem Dafoe and Edward Norton, these are talented actors that can take a pro- you know any project they want. And the fact that they continue to return to work with Wes Anderson, I think speaks very highly of him as a director, uh, the stories he t- he tells. I'm really intrigued by this because it, it does appear to be, at least from the trailer, we're going to see these multiple stories with sort of a, a framing device of this, this newspaper and uh, clearly there'll be something going on there but the fact that we do get these you know smaller stories and with really uh just i know he's going to bring something fresh unique and entertaining to this uh i can't say no to a wes anderson and i know he's not for everybody and there's something that tonally may turn people off or that it's it's too I don't know, for lack of a better word, cutesy or pretentious or whatever. I don't care because there's no one that makes films like him. And I always have a great time with whatever story he, he tells. Very true. Very true. Yeah, so this will be an interesting one. This is going to be popping right in the middle of uh, of of the summer. It's going to be uh, probably on my list of birthday oh. movies because it's opening July twenty oh, fourth. Right. So I uh, surely will have that on my list of uh, movies to see on my big movie watching day. Yeah. Okay. So there you go, the French okay. Dispatch, and as it's fully titled, the French Dispatch of the Liberty Kansas Evening. <laughs> there <Sun>. you are. <laughs> All right. right. Well, those are the trailers. Uh, I guess it's time to do our list. Yes, it is. And this was uh, this was like no competition on this one. When I I went to go check earlier in the week, and I thought, okay, I'll come back later. No, there was no, 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 no chance that any of the other selections had you know choice. It was great over the top supervillains hit hit this one. So. Like nine votes. To I found one, it. Well, okay, nobody. Everything starts with one vote. So nobody voted for adults starting over, and one person who's I I, I won't play stereotypes, but maybe Catholic because it's movies about guilt. I don't know it's either Catholic or Jewish guilt, maybe driving that vote. <laughs> but everybody else wanted great over the top <laughs> super villains. So, and that made it. Um, uh, you know, there were a lot of pickings also. So. Uh, I guess it depends on on our definitions of supervillains. So I guess we'll find out as we jump in. But you get to go first since you uh, picked your trailer first. So where do we so, begin? 
So with supervillains, I thought I I just wanted to go with villains because I think there's so many great villains with supervillains. So my first one is I guess. Well, uh, I got another one that might be super villainy, but my first one I, I thought, when I think of super villains, I'm thinking of comic books and cartoony things. And to me, there is no more entertaining and fun over the top villain than Ben Stiller's White Goodman in Dodgeball. He's just ridiculous, but so <laughs> over the top. And just, he's. I, I just have a great time with that movie, and I will always, always bring it when I have an opportunity here. But he's such a villain in in a cartoonish way uh, that I had to include him at least at the is my first uh, entry on my list of quote unquote super villains. That is a good one, and it's not a steal. So I like. It when I you do start too, that especially way. when Pete's not here. Makes takes the pressure off a little bit. Now I've just got one other list to compete against here. <laughs> well, for my first one, I uh, am going with a super villain. Okay, and I feel a little guilty throwing this on the list because it does kind of give the whole story away. <laughs> just the fact that you know this person's a super villain um, walking in, um, but it's it's such a fun film. I haven't seen it uh, in in a while, but uh, it's a great one. It's a family. Uh, family uh, superhero comedy uh, called Sky High from 2005, oh, directed by Mike yeah. Mitchell. And uh, there is, uh, uh, yeah, I, maybe I won't say who the supervillain is. Oh, because it is a bit of a reveal. Yeah. It, is, it is a surprise. It is a surprise because you don't think that a particular person is the villain, but then all of a sudden it is. And uh, it's a little kind of a, you know, big as far as the, <laughs> the type of villain. So I, it was fun. I enjoyed that twist in that film. Uh, so that's my first pick. Sky I High. have not seen that in a long time. I I took, I think I took Hannah to see that. Yeah, because she would have been like four or five and she may be a little bit on the young side, but it was, it was Disney. It was superhero family. I mean, it was a, a, such a fun concept and uh, Kurt Russell as, you know, the commander uh, just, you know, of having to, you know, this whole idea of the, the family dynamics to it was just so much fun. So yeah, this was one that, yeah, it, it, I think it's best not to name who the supervillain is, but uh, yeah, excellent, excellent choice on that one. Thanks. All right. Next for you. All right. <laughs> I'm just going with my favorite villains. I'm just going to be honest because who's over the top? And there's some actors that just <laughs> come to mind when you think over the top. And again, perhaps it's because of the age I was when I saw this movie because um, I was in high school. It's just such an odd movie and a villain that's just so bizarre. But um, Dennis Hopper as Frank Booth in Blue Velvet is one of the most strangest villains or whatever, Ooh. but he's he's just so creepy. But I think it's just that it's Dennis Hopper. Anybody else, it would have just been maybe odd, but Dennis Hopper just takes things to another level. Um, and there are just some, some great quotable moments that I don't think I can quote <laughs> or I don't want to quote on the podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they just stick with you. And so that's that's my number two, Frank Booth from Blue Velvet. That's it's such it's so funny that you said that because today and I don't know why I this came to mind it wasn't really in the conversation at all but it's just the tone of what somebody said it instantly made me uh you know it popped right <laughs> in my head uh, you know Heineken <laughs> F Heineken Pass Blue Ribbon yes yes exactly <laughs> there you go uh, yep yeah there you go. 
All right, for my next one, I um, I'm torn between um, a couple Quentin Tarantino baddies oh. um, because he he knows how to write some fairly great big ones. Um, the one that I am going to go with is from Kill Bill Volume One, and it is uh, it is played by uh, Daryl Hannah. It is L Driver, aka California Mountain Snake. And she is one of the uh, deadly vipers, and she is the one who who drops the black mamba in. And it's, it's a, she has the fantastic fight with with Uma Thurman in the trailer, which is fantastic. She also is introduced when, or not introduced, because we kind of see them in the flashbacks. But when she comes in, uh, whistling kind of the music from oh, uh, um, that uh, fantastic yes. Bernard Herman. I'm blanking on the name of the movie, but uh, just the great whistling that she does as she's coming down the hallway. Everything that's going on in there, I just think is is really just fantastic with her as a character. And and you know, she is somebody that I kind of grew up with because uh, you know I saw Splash when I was young, and I was always such a fan of her from that. And she's an actress who kind of seemed to struggle a little bit, kind of keeping her career going. Um, and so I think it was just great to see her pop up in this because uh, she was just so good in it. Now that's a good so one. That's my second one, that Kill Bill Volume one, one. With all uh, right, yeah, I'll drive. okay, all right. Final pick for you. I'm I'm just flat out cheating on this one because it's a it's a I guess because it's two roles but the same actor because when i think over the top Gary Oldman you you go with Gary Oldman you go with Gary Oldman in <laughs> with Luke Besson in either the fifth element or Leon the professional either you know Zorg or Stansfield both totally different characters but both ridiculously over the top over the top in their insanity one more cartoonish than the other but for me the over the top villain award will always go to Gary Oldman for those movies he is so over the top he's big um and he's just he's so great. much fun it's uh, yes. and, you know <laughs> yeah but that very over the top it works really well uh for this and i i totally agree so good 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 pick there for a long time on my for, my, say, for final, a long time on my computer back when you could set like startup sounds and all that i had found somewhere on the early days of the internet of uh, Gary Oldman in that scene in The Professional when they're like, you know, he's like, bring me everybody. And they're like, what do you mean everybody? And he's just like, everyone! And that was my startup sound on my computer because yeah. <laughs> it's just a great moment that I thought that's the insanity of that that moment that, that captures it for me. So, yes, I, I maybe I have to go in and, and uh, pull some audio and make that my ringtone. Maybe maybe my it'll be my Andy Nelson ringtone. <laughs> People will be like, what is that? What is going on? Who keeps screaming everyone? That's right. Okay, you're number one. Where where are we going? All right, so for my final one, um, this is a villain that I am a little hard-pressed to say he's completely over the top, but he's definitely big, and uh, I think one of the reasons is because of the way he speaks so eloquently 
and uh, does such horrific things. It is, of course, Hannibal Lecter, played oh. by the brilliant Anthony Hopkins in The Silence of the Lambs. Uh, that, uh, yes, there had been a version of Lecter in a previous film, but this became such an iconic version of him and uh, just the everything that he did in it. And he's not even like the central villain of the film. He's kind of just, he is like a, the doorway that our hero has to get through in order to actually go and face the the final villain. But he does everything so well that it, it became so iconic. And, and this was, you know, in our recent conversations about the Oscars, as far as uh, performances that are so short, but they get nominated for best actor and in this case win um it's you know his his presence i think is what really kind of makes him stand out and just i mean everything that he came up with with that character you know yes you know all of that, that sort was of stuff is that was so in great. my mind and i i thought well is it over the top or not but it, it is it isn't that Yes, it's an iconic villain that is really above and beyond your typical villain, whether it's over the top or not. I, you could debate that, but no, it's a, a great, a great super villain that is just very extreme. And so, yeah, that's excellent choice. Yeah, I think I think not so much over the top, but extreme in his actions and the way he does things because he's well, a yeah, cannibal. Exactly. So, <laughs> so therefore, he's a little over the top, I guess. So. Anyway, all right. Well, those are our uh, those are our lists. So some good options that we came up with there. All right. All right. So this coming week, we are kicking off a uh, a series of uh, French crime films. And for this first one, it is about a prison break. So it seems like that should be an easy uh, um, an easy starting point. Just uh, looking at prison break movies. But uh, uh, I I don't know if you've seen it. We're we're kicking off with Le True. No, it's on my, I think that's on my criterion list somewhere. If it's in there, I think it might be. I'm not sure. But um, so I'm not familiar with this. But so Prison Break sounds good. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That one will be an easy one. We've got, uh, let's see. So we've got Prison Break. We've got. I, it's all such prison sorts of things. Like, um, uh, there's, there's, man, let's see. You've got going down into kind of the catacombs or tunnels underneath things, kind of sewers and stuff. So you could have movies with people running around in sewers, you know? <laughs> yes. Okay. So subterranean exploration, uh, prison break. Uh, let's see. What are there other prison trips? Is there so the, is the whole the whole thing? Well, does that give it away if the whole, you tell me whether or not the whole thing's the, set in prison? Oh no, I, I don't think it's giving anything away. But yeah, I mean, it, it is very much you know it is a, a a prison breakout movie, and and the whole crux of the story is you know we're going to put a plan in action, we're going to um, go through with it, and then you know there's okay. the resolution. Hmm. Anything, anything innovative in their prison break attempts or strategies or, hmm. Well, I mean, I feel like it's kind of covered under prison breaks, you know. Anything about um, the, uh, see, is, is it like is... mean warden or friendly security guard or. Oh, ooh. I, I, this is, I don't know if it's a good one, but there's, it, it starts off with the, a real prison, a prisoner 
from uh from this thing kind of saying this was this was my oh, story okay. um uh, so it's it's kind of a it's kind of a biopic you know so i don't know if there's something we can do there i don't know if there's something we can do with films that that incorporate uh real actors real, real people from from their uh situation into the story it might be a hard list to put together but but it's so is he is he he's not narrating it but it's just he's he's introducing he's not, the story he, he yeah, he kind of introduces it, and it's weird because he's like, you know, this is the this is my story. Uh, this is the you know, the director, so and so, put this together, and he kind of it's it's an odd little introduction that you never really see. That that's part of the reason why I make it <laughs> may make it. Well, what too if we difficult. we broaden that a little bit so it's not necessarily a character, or somebody related, but just movies that are are introduced by somebody not in the story, um, or is he in? I, I, okay. Oh, he well, is he's in the story. In the story. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's not like the good old Disney. Uh, uh, yeah. It's not. It's right. not really right. narrated. Yeah. Okay. Either. He just. It's not, yeah. Okay. Hmm. All right. Well, there's betrayals. We could do something about betrayals. Okay. Yeah, you know, in context. I don't know if it needs to be in context of prison movies, but prison okay. betrayals. Okay. We could just do. Bet- yeah. Okay. Is that? We'll see what they do. It doesn't necessarily have to relate to a prison break, I guess. So we can throw that in there and see. Okay. All right. That's a, it's a little tricky, but we'll see what uh, people vote on. Uh, I have a feeling it'll probably work. Yeah, of the first probably. Two. But hey, we give them options. So, exactly. All right. Well, that is going up into the Show Talk channel. So for all of you who are, are Patreon members, you can jump into the Show Talk channel over in our Discord group and you can vote for it. Uh, and by the time uh, next week rolls around, we will be. Uh, um, jumping in on one of these lists. So get your votes in between now and next week. And what else? Anything else? You, you're always remembering all the messages that we need to say at the end. Nextreel.com slash merch. Merch. And and I think there's 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 Marvel there's there's Marvel movie minute merch, maybe. I don't know. There's 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 stuff. Go to the website. There's stuff. I will just leave it at the there's there's, the, there's all kind there's there all kinds go. of new things coming up because we've got a film board coming later this month. We've got all kinds of things. So go to the website, buy merch. Yeah, we got yes. Marvel movie minute. Incredible Hulk season two is coming up uh, soon. So all sorts of stuff. So check it out. And uh, you can also uh, find our Patreon page from there and you can support us. uh, And that helps us just kind of keep things moving. So thanks, everybody. We really appreciate it. And I guess that's it. So see you later. Hondo. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, 
or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Today. 